Hey, I'm so excited that I have with us today, Lori Robertson. She is a speaker and a coach and just has done a lot of really cool things. She was one of our speakers at Missouri Realtors this year at our fall business conference. And she just did such an amazing job for our conference and just hit it out of the park. And I thought, oh gosh, I need to have Lori come and talk to my brokers and my agents to just really give you some advice and encouragement on public speaking and when you're working with clients and customers. So Lori, thank you for being with us. I really appreciate uh, your time. And But I would love for you to tell our group, because you were telling me about a recent presentation you did, which was uh, the secret sauce, I guess you could say, for speaking or uh, tell our group, what what did you deliver or what's involved with that secret sauce we should know about when we're giving a sales meeting, working with clients, you know, maybe even pitching something at our local board of realtors? How can we effectively do that as as um, speakers? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, first of all, John, for having me with you. I'm I'm thrilled to get to speak to you and to your membership again. Um, I Let me give you a little context on Secret Sauce. I spent 10 years producing a live event tour called Women of Faith, and it was a two-day event. We went to NBA and NHL arenas around the country, usually 28 or 30 a year, and at our peak, our average attendance was 14,000. And I, I had the enormous privilege, because I produced the events, to work alongside our president, Mary Graham, and she really taught me everything I know about events, about speaking, about messaging, about, about connection. And we, I booked the speakers for our events. And of course, over the course of time, we had a variety of different speakers, men and women with different styles and different topics. And Mary and I would often talk about this concept that we called the secret sauce. And it was interesting because sometimes there were speakers who were much more seasoned speakers, but didn't seem to connect with the audience as fully and as well as some speakers who were a lot newer speakers. So what what was it that made that difference? And so I've thought a lot about what the recipe for secret sauce might look like. And I wouldn't say I've got it perfected, but I do know a few things that make a big difference, whether you're a seasoned speaker or whether you have not been speaking much at all. You don't have a lot of experience. These are all things that any of us can lean into right from where we are. Um, and so would you like me to, you want me to just dive in and share those ingredients? Yeah, that would be great because I'm okay. anxious to hear what, what these are. So yeah, I, um, well, before I share ingredient number one, I'm going to tell you how I learned it. I, um, I had been at Women of Faith for five or six years and I was asked to consider stepping from behind the scenes onto the platform to MC the events. And I, I was honestly floored to even be asked. And I knew it was a great opportunity and it was an honor and a great next step personally and professionally, but I also had nothing to bring to the table. I had nothing but a horrible, awkward college speech class under my belt and nothing to give me the impression that I had what it took to do this, especially when the only person I'd ever seen MC the events was Mary, my boss, and she was 
masterful at it. She was so naturally gifted at welcoming the audience. She was connected. She was witty. It, it just seemed like she thought of the perfect thing to say as she walked up the steps. And I knew I couldn't quite do that, but I did, I did what made sense to me at the time. And because of my job, I had sat by the stage and watched Mary work her magic and I had access to the footage. And so I watched hours of Mary footage and I made myself a little Mary script and I went out and bought a Mary-like suit. And my first weekend, there were 6,000 women in the room in Calgary and I stepped up those steps and I got my Mary Graham on. And the weekend went fine, nothing awesome, nothing disastrous. We all survived and I consider that a huge win. Um, but we would get evaluations from the attendees in the room and we would send those to a data entry company and midway through the following week, we would get those back. And of course, I was even more interested this week in what the feedback said. And as I skimmed through, no one said anything about the MC until I got to one of the very last comments where one sweet woman said, the Mary Graham clone freaks me out. And so, and I thought, ain't it the truth? Because the thing is, it's like wearing a suit that doesn't quite fit. You can tell it doesn't quite fit and your audience can see it too. And that is, uh, that's the awkward way I learned the value of authenticity of being yourself. Because when you stand in front of a group of any size in any context and are comfortable with who you are and just show up as yourself, imperfect and human and authentic, it gives everyone else in the room permission to be themselves as well. And so I found authenticity to be not only one piece of the secret sauce, but maybe the most important element of the recipe. I'm glad you said that because there was a famous real estate uh, speaker and some of the folks watching today may remember him. His name was Howard Britton and Howard would, he had all this energy and would run around the room. And I, I remember being in a class and Howard like jumped up on the table and was saying, you got to do this, you have to do that. And, and I thought, I always wanted to be like Howard as a speaker. And one day, I just said to myself, that's not me. I, yeah. I can't be Howard. I have to be John. Yeah. And I'm yeah. more of a conversational speaker. And 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 yes. but you know what's interesting is people tell me they like that trait about me. They like that yeah. I'm I'm not threatening. And yes. I think that's why I I'm not saying that to brag, but why I've been so successful in the, some of the European countries and get asked to come back to speak mm -hmm. is that they don't. I, I'm very, uh, I'm non-threatening to them, I guess yeah. you could say. Yeah. But I, I learned that same lesson, Lori, is that authenticity is really mm -hmm. uh, such a great, um, a great asset that we all have. And when we learn yeah. to just be authentic, it can just do so much in our lives. Mm -hmm. So Absolutely. great. I, yeah. Well, the, um, the thing about authenticity too so often, especially when someone is considering raising your hand to speak and share what you know, almost all of us experience some level of imposter syndrome, like who am I, who am I to say, who am I to speak up? But the fact is, if you are just yourself sharing what you know from your perspective, from your experience, there's your authority right there. Exactly. I, I, I say 
sometimes your story is your authority. Not only are you certainly qualified to share it, but it's the one thing you have to share that's unique that no one else can speak to and no one else can can uh, duplicate because it's just it's just you. Yeah. And I and I do know that I watch TED Talks. I love going to events. I love seeing other speakers and their style and what they do. The nuance is to learn from other people, but think, you know, what's the Lori version of that? What's the John version right, of that? Right. Not um, how can I do that? But exactly. what's the me version of whatever you are drawn to about that, the way they use humor or the way they move or their pacing, you know, what's your version of that? Right. Yeah, very good. I love that. So I have that written down, be authentic. So, mm-hmm. so, <laughs> so number two, next, uh, number two, yeah. Yeah. Number two will not surprise you because this is what I was, what I spoke about at the, uh, at the business conference. But number two is to use story. We are so, we are absolutely wired. It's scientifically proven that responding to story is in our DNA. Our, we have hormones in our brains that fire when we engage with a story. And it truly is the best way to build an authentic connection between yourself and your audience, not only to open the door to them being willing to listen to you and engage with you, but also stories are sticky. The emotion we feel with a story gives our memories stickiness. And so story is really the way to connect, engage, and have a lasting impact with your audience. So leaning into story absolutely is part of the recipe. I think that I think that is something that you and I talked about this with the Missouri Realtors podcast is we all have these great stories and sometimes we get in this selling mode or we're trying to, um, you know, give all of the rationales on this, Mm -hmm. that or the other when a story can be so effective. And I'm just thinking of like brokers and managers who are watching is that you can tell people. I could tell people, hey, here's a good prospecting idea and share that. But I could also tell a story about a girl by the name of Ginger who worked for me. And I told Ginger, I said, Ginger, if you go down to the assessor's office, ask for a plat book, look at all of the big parcels of land, and then try to match those up with the out-of-state owners. Well, Ginger went to the assessor's office. She was a new agent, wanted to make a, you know, wanted to be a success in real estate, started looking up all these out-of-state owners, Lori, and the large parcels, and she made a list of their names and addresses. And then we put together a letter, and Ginger sent that letter out, and I kid you not, she listed more big farms, made more huge commission checks mm-hmm. and did so well but here's the other part the other part of this story that brokers could share ginger only did that one week and made like got like three listings made three big checks and ginger unfortunately gave up her real estate license a few months later ginger never went back to the courthouse and did any more prospecting she only did it she only did it one week or a couple of mm-hmm. days made some great money and i try to i use ginger's story to say 
there's a first of all follow ginger's idea to go find these out-of-state owners because mm -hmm. they're there's a gold mine there. Yeah. But number two, if you're not consistent doing that, if you don't continue to do it, you can't keep any kind of traction or momentum going. So yeah. story, and I, I use Ginger's story to try to really drive on the point to be creative and be different. But more importantly, if you want to make it in this business prospecting, mm -hmm. you have to do it consistently yeah. all the time. So yeah, yeah. Anyway. And you're absolutely right. I, you could you could share those principles and maybe it lands, but you share that story of when it really worked this way, it really worked out this way, the good and bad of it. And that just hits in a deeper place. It does. It's, it's so true. Yeah. I, uh, I, as a technology teacher, one of the key points I talk about is you have to be consistent with social media. Now, I hate Facebook and I, mm -hmm. I get tired of all of the social media, <laughs> but you do have to be consistent. And I used to tell audiences, you have to be consistent with social media. And then I was at the National Speakers Association, and they had three young kids up on the stage who had these million follower Instagram accounts. And I never will forget the the um, lady who was conducting the, the interview. You know, it was kind of uh, just a conversation with them. She said... If there's one piece of advice that you could give the audience about social media today, what would it be? And Lori, without missing a beat, all three of them said, oh, you have to do it every day. Mm -hmm. I never will forget that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. now I tell that story about yeah. being right. at the conference and about the social media question mm -hmm. and about these huge social media stars. Yeah. And I kid you not, without missing a beat, they all said, you have to do it every day. Yeah, you yeah. have to be consistent, mm -hmm. and that drives that point home so much more. So, yeah, You're stories are all around us, and just yep. figure out how you can incorporate them. But yeah, and well, you and told I, some great stories. You might well, tell. <laughs> oh, you may have one to share with us in a minute. But anyway, well, I you know one of the one thing I love about Ginger's story and about you being at the NSA with the social media panel. When I talk to people about story and about leading and connecting through story, a lot of people have kind of an immediate sort of aversion to that. And one of the reasons is they will think, I don't have a story. They'll they'll think if if I don't have a story that's worthy of a book or gets me on the news when you climbed the mountain or you fought the bear or you swam the channel, um, they think we don't have a story. But look at that, the ginger story. Yeah. The NSA panel story. Those are just moments in your life when you saw a principle in action and then you're able to use that story to share that principle in a right. way that's much stronger than just sharing it on its own. And so that illustrates that it's not it's about moments. It's about life it's a, moments. Yes. It's not about um, enormous accomplishments. Yeah. And I I found that when I take those moments it's really that time when you get it, when you're sitting there in a meeting or you have an experience and you think about it. I mean, it really, you're like, gosh, that's so true. Mm -hmm. I I remember being at a meeting. This was another NSA meeting and we had a speaker there. His name was Patrick Allman. I'll still, I still remember his name, but he was talking about YouTube. And I remember him saying about video mm -hmm. and 
he said he made a statement and this is the way i always phrase it when i talk to people about video he made a statement and i sat there and i said john mayfield you've blown it mm. are you really blown it and and here's a statement he said he said just remember done beats perfection every mm -hmm. time mm -hmm. and see i was trying to make all of my videos perfect yeah. Yeah. And because of that, I never really produced a lot of videos for YouTube. And that's why I sat there and said, mm -hmm. gosh, I've really blown it. Right. But you just have to remember that done beats perfection every time. And, yep. and I have another little piece I add to that that I won't bore you with. But but it was it was I shot a video and I uh, was was a safety tips after a lady had been murdered and oh. who was a real estate agent and Goodness. and so I did a video about some safety apps and I cut my top of my forehead off. I didn't realize my my video camera had a little thing you could turn over oh. and see <laughs> anyway. And I thought yeah. I've cut my forehead off. I can't send that out. Mm -hmm. And I remember. Mm -hmm. Done beats perfection every time. You know, I sent that out and I that video blew up. I had brokers yeah. from California saying, thank you. We shared it with our yeah. agents. Right. Not one person ever wrote me and said, hey, you cut yeah. your forehead off. So, right. you know, yeah. anyway. Well, uh, and it was a story I used. So. Yes. And I, first of all, I do think there's enormous value in my, my boss, Mary, taught me that no one cares about when you got it right. We we want to know what happens whenever what happened when everything went wrong. What did you right. do? What did you learn that might help me with what I'm going through? And just like that, sharing the story of when you accidentally yeah. cut your top of your head off yeah. in a video, <laughs> but talked yourself into getting over yourself right. and just sent it out. And those safety tips may have been game changers for someone. Yeah. Some some woman in some state may have done something a little differently, and you don't know the impact that had because you went ahead and sent that out. Right. Well, so I love story, and I think our group can just think about, oh, I love what you said about the moment, I, yeah. because that is kind of the key. I'd never thought about that. But are there those moments in time that really have an impact on our life? And if you think about it, there's probably a great story to craft that can be. Uh, and I love to tell stories now when I talk. And so, yeah. I should, so. Well, I do think they're addicting. Yes, I think once you really under, start to understand the power of story and also it's as a presenter, as a speaker, it's a lot easier and more fun, in my opinion, to get up and share some of your best stories versus right. worrying about the stats on the PowerPoint and the data. And to me, that's so much harder. That's a lot more pressure. But I can tell you the story of the Mary Graham clone or or any any number of other times I've right. embarrassed myself. Right. Very good. So so ingredient number three is to share your passion. And I heard it said some time ago that speakers are thermostats, not thermometers. We're thermostats, not thermometers, meaning we set the temperature of the room. We don't reflect the temperature of the room. So when you stand in front of the group, when you have the microphone, whatever the scenario is, when you have the privilege of other people's time and attention, 
you also have to be the leader and Mm -hmm. you have to set the tone. And frankly, if you're not passionate about and you don't have energy around what you're talking about, why on earth would your audience? Right. And so one of the other ingredients for the secret sauce is just being passionate about your topic and letting that show, you know, not being so in your own head about your bullet points or your outline that you, that you dim your passion because we'd all rather sit in a room and listen to someone who's really passionate and energetic about a topic we don't care about than listen to someone talk about something we do care about, but is dull as dirt and has, you know, no signs of life. Exactly. And I'm glad you share that because really a lot of the a lot of the members watching today are brokers and managers. And please don't think you have to present every sales meeting. One of the things I talk about in my sales meeting presentation and how to how to do an extreme makeover is there are lots of guest speakers in your community and in your area who would come over. I mean, you may not know a lot about CPR. I didn't, but there was someone in my community who loved to teach the CPR course. We had a lady come in our in our office and literally got choked on a piece of candy that she had picked up off this, my secretary's candy jar. And I didn't know how to do CPR. And I mean, no one there in the office that day. Luckily, there was a social security building next door. The guard there who was trained with that came over, helped us. She was fine. But I said, I'm going to have somebody come in and teach a CPR class. So I love the fact that, you know, we there are things we're really passionate about that we can teach and it sets the tone. Sometimes maybe it's a topic that you know your agents need to hear about. You're, it's maybe not your passion. Find somebody who can do that for you. So Yeah, absolutely. And let somebody else who has the passion for it, who who is who lights up at teaching CPR because they know it saves lives and why not have that person come in and speak to your group or or one of your own agents that might, you know, really like technology and let them talk about Mm -hmm. technology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Ingredient number four is empathy to truly love and care about your audience and let that shine through it. When we stand up to share in front of a group, theoretically, you have something important enough to share with them that you know will help them, will help them meet their goals, will help them learn something, do something, feel something different. And you have to have enough care and concern for your audience that it conveys, that you they can tell that you're for them, that they can tell that you want the best for them, that they can tell that you have this gift that you're offering up to them of wisdom and perspective. And you're excited to give it to them because you know, it will help them. And just letting that care for your audience shine through because they will reflect that back to you. You know, your audience is for you too. We're never sitting there hoping the speaker on the stage is horrible and screws up. We're there for you too. Um, but even more so when they can tell that the speaker genuinely cares about them and wants the best for them. So loving on your audience is definitely one of the ingredients. That's interesting. Now, let me ask you, can I, or can we do that by sharing our failures? Is that 
a bad place to go to share our empathy or I'm, I guess what I'm saying is sometimes I hear that the audience likes to know that mm-hmm. you're uh, you've mm-hmm. f- fallen before mm-hmm. or failed yeah. or Absolutely. you've had these same trials is that kind of does that help build empathy or is that a different area no I think that I mean I think that builds connectedness we, okay. you know, we are humans who want to connect with other imperfect humans and we want, I'm automatically more connected with you when I think you get me. And when you right. show me some common ground, you've experienced something I've, I'm experiencing, you've been similar places, you've done similar things. As soon as we find common ground, I think that builds that connection and right. that sets the stage for empathy. You know, one of my favorite things about the Mary Graham clone story was Mary's response to me when when that uh, comment was in the evaluation. You know, Mary could have said any number of things to me, or she didn't have to say anything about it at all. I mean, I certainly got it, but Mary did what she so often did, and she told me a story. She'd spent thirty five years working for a college ministry called Campus Crusade. And in her early days with Campus Crusade, she was involved in producing events. And she told me at her very first event, they invited feedback on comment cards and that she still remembered all those years later, one comment card said, I loved everything but the girl in the gray dress. And Mary (laughs) said, would you like to guess what I was wearing? And so imagine how much more that endeared me to Mary that she sort of entered into my embarrassment by sharing a story of her own and showed me what's possible. Because Mary, I knew was a master, but apparently one day she was the girl in the gray dress. And if she could do it, then surely I could get there. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's interesting because when you give us like tip number two through story, Mm -hmm. I can see where you can share a story about yourself that would bring the empathy and the connection. I mean, you could go back, I'm just thinking as a manager, I mean, a lot of times I remind people that it took me six months before I closed my first transaction. And I mean, I kept trying and doing all of these different things and I just felt like uh, I was ready to quit and give up. And Mm -hmm. and here I am 44 years later, still in the business. So um, so using story can kind of be that Mm -hmm. pathway to, to empathy, how these all kind of intertwine. So yes, they will. And they, that's, that's so true. They really all do overlap so well. I, you know, my second MC weekend, it was in St. Louis. There were 16,000 women in the room. And on my first time up on Friday night um, to welcome the audience, I fell, I tripped and I fell all the way down on the platform. And um, I shared that story to teach a couple of other speaking principles, but I'll tell you, I've never had an audience more, um, more vocal about encouraging me. So many women through that whole weekend who would never have said anything to me otherwise, probably came up and encouraged me and said, you're doing a great job and all of these things. And it's because I fell. It's because I I didn't have the choice to share a failure because it happened right in front of them. But right. it really does it really does connect us on a very human level when you're willing to be vulnerable and authentic and share that it took you 6 months to close your first transaction because I'm five and a half months in and I'm thinking 
Should I just give it up? But then you share that. And I think, well, if John could do it, maybe I'll keep trying. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, very good. Okay. All right. Then, so then the fifth ingredient in the secret sauce is confidence. And I have found confidence comes in one way, and that really is from competence. It's we gain confidence as we get a successful record of doing the thing we want to be more confident doing behind us. And I say that to say that speakers who cultivate confidence get their reps in. They raise their hand, they stand up and speak, and they are willing to be nervous, awkward, whatever, not best version until they can work through that and get to the best version because you can't take a pill. There's not a magic bullet. You can't go around. You have to go through and you have to cultivate confidence and confidence comes from adequately preparing, you know, being intentional, not winging it. Confidence comes from getting your reps in. Confidence comes from remembering why, why it matters, why it's worth it, why what you have to share can help the person in front of you and why that matters. And leaning into those elements and getting those reps in, that's that's the way I've found to drive confidence. That's great. I love that. And just a quick plug for our members that that's why we have the easy sales meetings. You have a template. You can mm. do quickly look and prepare and do other research and and get the rest you need and and you'll have you'll be uh, you'll have the confidence and be competent for your for your sales meeting. Just a quick side, but I and we didn't. Lori and I did not plan that. I love that though. You know, another story I always remember was. My youngest daughter, one year for Christmas, we had gotten them this Sonic Hedgehog game. And uh, I remember Annie, and I would play it with her, and she would get down to this first level and plop. She'd just kind of like fall into the water and would start over. But the more she continued to play and watch, the more confident she got and the further into the game she would get. Well, then I got to where I couldn't even hardly go hardly anywhere in the game she was like on three or four levels but as she began to develop the the confidence you know Mm -hmm. she became and it was just you could see the uh her teaching me Mm -hmm. and her ability to it's not that big of a deal and I still remember that today and it's kind of it's just what you said when you have those ingredients that fall in place it it just shines as you're trying to to lead through your talk to people that you're that you're talking to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good. well you have three spoiler alerts. You tell me. I do. These are these are quick, but um, in addition to the five ingredients, there are three things that can that can spoil the recipe, and they are first having a weak start. It the audience remembers the first thing you say and the last thing you say, right. and. So often speakers come out and they thank the organizer and they comment on the meal or how nice the room is. And when we do that, we're really thinking about ourselves because I want you to know I'm a nice person. I want you to know I'm a gracious person. I want you to know I am appreciative. But the problem is it's not about you as the speaker. It's about your audience. And when you think about your audience, 
you walk right out on the stage and you address them. You walk right on the stage, you own it and you dive right in. My preferred method is to dive right into a story because that is the absolute best way to disarm the audience, to connect on a human level and to just get right into the content. But, um, But don't waste your opening by thanking everyone. Is this thing on, you know, anything yeah. other than just owning it and going for it. Very good. It, and, you know, a side note to that, I was just at a YouTube creators conference in, in Los Angeles. And so I hired this guy to kind of help me to, with my YouTube channel to grow it. And he's watching some of my videos. He goes, why are you telling people who you are? And they, they <laughs> see that. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you've only got a few seconds on YouTube and they're yes. going to the next channel. Yep. So mm-hmm. now like, last week and this and last week's video the numbers are off the chart in one mm-hmm. week but i didn't say hi this is john mayfield i said um we're gonna cover several or you know i i can't remember exactly mm-hmm. but i said we're gonna mm-hmm. cover some questions you will have on the real estate yeah. exam let's get started right now yes. and it was yeah. just like i wanted to really reiterate these are questions you're going to see on the exam, but it's working. So yeah, well, we know, especially on YouTube, on social media, we know that first few seconds, that's when you either hook your audience or they just keep scrolling. And especially at a live event or at a board presentation, at a sales presentation, the people in the room probably aren't going to just get up and walk out but they are deciding if they're going to dial in. Right. They are, they're deciding if they're paying attention or if I'm mentally making my grocery list or right. if, I think, if I'm thinking of the things I need to do as soon as this is over. Yeah. And so in the same way, just hooking them, you know, don't waste that first moment. Just own it and use it because it yeah. really is one of the most powerful moments. Um, okay, so number two is, number two spoiler is, drowning them in data. It's, you know, as a speaker, especially, I I see this so much in technical disciplines, in um, scientific disciplines, especially when someone has spent their lives studying the intricacies of technology or of science or of, of whatever it is. Sometimes we can feel like the best thing I can do is really show you everything I've learned, teach you everything I've learned, because I want you to know it and side benefit, then you can tell that I'm really smart. The problem is you can't absorb all that. You can't process all of that effectively. So the best thing I can do for you and for me is to give you the amount of information you need to know to accomplish the goal of whatever my talk is, whatever the presentation is, and not a bit more because our brains, you know, they are, they are wired to keep us alive and conserve energy. And as soon as the brain gets overwhelmed, that's when we find ourselves daydreaming, whether we meant to or not, because our our brains take a break, whether we give them permission or not. So drowning in data um, is a recipe spoiler. And I think I said earlier, I talked about me being uh, my speaking for Europe. The reason I was successful is I didn't, I didn't intimidate the group or they felt comfortable with me. I have to be honest, a lot of those conferences I spoke at, the speakers in front of me drowned their audiences with data. 
And I think I was just such a breath of fresh air because I didn't use notes and I didn't have charts that you couldn't read from the Mm -hmm. first row. Yeah. Uh, You know, kind of a, I I love too what you said about the key points. I've seen some speakers who had a chart with lots of data and they had the chart blurred out and then they would have like one big magnifying Mm -hmm. glass or circle Mm -hmm. with a percentage that was kind of like blown up. Like Uh you knew there was all this data behind the Mm -hmm. graphic, but you knew 62% Mm -hmm. was what the speaker Mm -hmm. wanted you to focus on. Yeah. And so there's a, I think there's a way that in a sales meeting or in a talk, you can still Mm -hmm. talk about data, but focus Mm -hmm. like what you said, bring those one or two pieces of information but make sure that you're highlighting those rather than showing some big graph that nobody can read. And and so, yeah, well, you know, if I had to boil public speaking down to two principles, two, two just game changers, one would be authenticity, be yourself. And the other, um, hang on. I just totally lost. That's okay. Well, you know, I, I was going to say, cause I think that like sometimes I like to begin with uh, a story like you do, mm-hmm. but I also sometimes use some shocking data, yes. like yes. a, a yep. statistic mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is kind of like, oh, really? That many yeah. people? And that right. tends to set a good tone. But maybe I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was trying no, to, no, no. to think about your other point there. But yes, authenticity no, is important. Yes, authenticity and that your priority is your audience. It's always yes. about your audience. And yes. this is easier said than done, but you have to do all you can to put yourself in your audience's seat, in their perspective. And so again, what do they need to know to accomplish whatever goal we are here to achieve? They don't right. need to know everything. You didn't need to see the whole chart and all the data, but you needed to know 63% to understand right what was being conveyed and that just trying to put yourself in the mind of your audience what do they know about the topic what do they need to know about the topic to get to where you're leading them to right good so and, two spoilers then yeah, are the so, uh, data we don't want to drown yeah, them in data and and we, a week uh, opening and a week and opening. drowning them with data and so then the third is leaving them confused, which also you could say is a weak closing because they remember the first thing you said, they remember the last thing you said. And the best thing you can do for your audience and for the impact you want to have with your message is tell them what you want them to do with what you've shared with them. Mary would say, put the cookies on the bottom shelf. Right. Tell them. I love that. Tell them the next step. Tell them how to get started. Tell them how to start today. Tell them what it is that they can do to make their lives better with whatever you've presented. Don't let them, don't give them the job of figuring it out on their own because often they just won't. They're busy. They've got yeah. other things on their mind and they just won't. I I mentioned to you or told you my blueberry story. And so the first time I was asked to, to give that talk, um, I gave, I thought was a great talk. And at the end, the gentleman who hired me, I said, I hope that was okay. And he said, yeah, he said, this was a week or so later. He said, everybody really enjoyed your talk, but 
they just really didn't know what to do with it. And I and I thought, what? what? And he goes, well, you know, you didn't give us like, you need to do these four things or you need to yeah. do, I wish, right. I want to remind you about these three points. Yes. And, yeah. and he said, if I was you, I would figure out a way to incorporate that into the top mm-hmm. and you have a home yeah. run. And so, you know, we learn from those items, but yes. I thought to myself, I didn't give them anything right. to take away and do. Yeah. I just told them about my trials and tribulations yeah. right. and that I got over it, but it was, yeah. they wanted to know, well, how did you get over it? So, uh, yeah, anyway. well, and it just, it helped. First of all, you know, you know how it's so hard to proof your own term paper because we know what it says right? and it is, it is hard to sort of proof your own message also because you know the takeaway, you know the lessons, you know the principles, yeah. but it just helps the audience if you put the cookies on the bottom shelf. Right. If you just, yes. just make it clearer than maybe you think you need to because we're busy, we're drowned by information from all sources all the time. And so the clearer and the simpler we right. can make that takeaway far more likely our audience will do what we want them to do with it um right. and one yeah. other thing i will say about that the um you know often there will be maybe time for questions at the end of a talk or or um a q and a a q and a session and again the audience will remember the first thing you said and the last thing you said so when there's going to be a q and a the best thing you can do is either leave the last bit of your message for after the Q&A or reiterate, you know, this is the last question you've answered it. In closing, I just want to remind you step one, two, three, you know, whatever those principles were, because you don't want the audience to remember the answer to your favorite place to eat around here. You know, yeah. it's it uh, it it cheapens your message and it kind of shortchanges them. But the simple solution is just circle back, reiterate those closing points, that closing call to action, and then you've accomplished both. Yeah, that's, I love that. And I had never thought about that. In fact, while you said that, I thought, you know, it might be kind of interesting if you were going to take Q&A to say, and I have one question here that I guess get asked a lot that I want to personally tell you about after we take some Q&A and maybe that would be the setup to help you. Um, in fact, yeah. I had one speaker friend of mine, very famous speaker in St. Louis, and um, he actually told me, and he said, some people don't like this, but he said, I, he tees up a question that he mm-hmm. wants to leave mm-hmm. with. So mm-hmm. if he's, if the CEO or someone's coming in to ask him a few questions or take questions, he gives the CEO this one question and he said, I want this to be the last question. And mm-hmm. I want you to ask me that question yeah, that's because a great it helps idea. him. He said, it tees up what mm-hmm. I want to leave them with. And, and so, yeah, uh, that's anyway. great. That's a great yeah. idea. I, I was at an event just a few weeks ago and, um, and the woman got through her message, except the closing asked for questions, took several questions from the audience, and then did the close of her message the last probably five minutes or so. Um, so she just kind of embedded 
the Q and A within her message yeah. and then finished That's her message great. with, you know, this is, this is what I want to leave you with. So yeah. it's, it can, it can be done a number of ways. It just needs to be intentional. Yeah, Otherwise exactly. it just, it, it just leaves you with a really kind of fizzled end. That is not what you would want. Right. And for our sales meeting members, if you do it yourself, just remember to go back and hit those key points. You want everyone to know if you are, or showing me doing the sales meeting for you, I'm going to always try to remember to be sure and hit those key points at the end. I will definitely hit those. But anyway, just wanted to remind you that those are some of the benefits and why we do sales meetings. And and I, but I know some of you love to do your sales meetings yourself. And that's why each month we want to bring you some type of value for your membership. And Lori, thank you for coming on because to me, this was invaluable today. I, I learned so much and took good notes and <laughs> we'll have Lori's contact information for you. She does coach women. And if you're a broker or a manager or even an agent that's watching and you have an interest in doing some public speaking or need some coaching, reach out to Lori. She would love to help you. And um, so thank you, Lori. Yes. Thank you, John. I, I love visiting with you and am always, always happy to help. Same here. Thanks a lot. Thanks.